Romans 8, verse 35 to 39. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril or sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. And I never saw it quite that way until even right now that the only thing that is separated from us in the love of Christ is all those things that could kill us or affect us in a very negative way, such as tribulation, such as things that would cause us unbelievable stress or just being persecuted or being hungry. And that hunger takes on many different forms. It's not just a physical hunger, but it's a mental, it's an emotional, it's a spiritual hunger. And then there's a nakedness, wanting so desperately to be covered by the warmth of his love or peril. There's all kinds of dangers or sword, any kind of, of violence. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter and, of course, in Christ, in his love for us, he slaughtered all of those things and he did away with them. That's why that in all these things, in all them, in all of them, he is revealing to us just what his love has conquered for us and about us because he so loved us. And, he, and that love becomes the persuasion. And that's what his love is always doing. It's always coming in and persuading us. Jeremiah mentioned about forgiveness, and we've said many times that forgiveness is the confirmation of his love for us. It's the persuasion of his love. He's persuading us. That neither death nor life, nothing in terms of death, and and death has touched so many of us in different ways, but it can't separate us from his love, or things that happen in life to us, in everyday life. Uh, Nothing can separate us from that love in our life. And angels or principalities or powers, things present, things that are present. And that just simply means the things that have gone on in our life presently are, are, for a lot of us, the things that affect our present when we're not occupied or experiencing his love is the things that happened in the past. And so, but even still, he is showing us through it all that nothing in this present life that happened in the past can affect us, not only now, but it's taking care of our future. No things to come. No height. Height. nor depth, no matter how far we think we have gone in terms of height of away from him, or depth, no matter how long or how far we think we have fallen, 
nor any other created thing is able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then in 1 John 1 John 4 verse 7 it says this 1 John 4 7 <clears throat> Beloved let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not knows not God for God is love. What is the answer for everything? What is the only reality that God has for us? And of course that's his love. He that loves not knows not God for God is love. And this was manifest or manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world, this world where we have all that tribulation, the distress, the peril, the sword, all those things, he sent him into this world that we might live through him that so loved us in all and through all of those things. And that's why it says here, herein is love. Herein is love, not that we loved God. I've said many times, if the enemy can't deceive us, he will accuse us. For instance, he will say, your failure is the proof that you don't love him. When the reality, the truth of the matter is, herein is love, not that we loved God. Do we want to sin? Do we want to fail? No. But herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son, the propitiation for our sins. God was so for us in, in what way, in what manner? Having delivered us, having crucified the old me, the old I. Who's the old I? The old I is who? The old I that was affected negatively in the past. <laughs> that person has been crucified. That person that was hurt in their past. That person that was misunderstood in their past. That person, that very person, was crucified. Furthermore, in his love, and that's what love did, love crucified. You know what he's saying? He crucified every hurt. He crucified every negative effect of the cause when we were hurt, when we, were so, when we had nothing to do with it. We didn't have a thing to do with it. It was out of our hands. And he crucified it. And not only that, he paid for our sins. He paid for them. And he removed them. And so, his love has dealt with all of that in us that would reject him. That means in his love, even for us, 
the rejection that we experienced by someone else became the very opportunity for you and I to receive his love for us. And not only to receive that love for us, but to receive a love for those that did that. Why? Because he not only dealt with the cause, he dealt with all the effects. And what is that? What is it? Okay, so we are condemned, sin. That, that was the cause. But then there are many effects of sin. But did he just pay for the sin? Or did he pay for all that that happened to me and caused negative effects? Did he pay for it? And he removed it. He absolutely removed it. Again, that's Romans 8, 35 to 39. You can't separate us from the love of God that separated us from all of those negative not only causes, but effects. And that's where the enemy comes in and tries to manifest and declare what our identity is based upon the effects of what happened in the past. But he has crucified. Listen, he crucified that person. He crucified the one that that happened to and then all the sins that that one particular person would do or would live in, he did away with them. He paid for them. So he crucified the old in his love and he paid, paid for all the sins and dealt with them so that there would be nothing in the way of us living in the new creature that his love has made us to be. And so... God is always revealing. We said this before that, that that the energy, the very energy of God's nature is love. That's why so many of us, at times, we lack energy <laughs> because we're not in the place of living in the cause of his love. And then we lack energy because the thoughts don't derive from him who so loved us. His whole mindset was such a love for us. And so love is the very active energy of the very nature of God himself. And then out of that comes light. And light is the purity of God's nature. And love, listen, love has made us so pure he has he's made us so pure so there is an amazing gift that we have we have this divine gift of love and it's a love and it's a love and it's a life it's a love life that's what it is but when we live in mental or emotional and spiritual departure from love what are we living in that's what we live in we begin to live in self destruction we that's what we do we we i got a definition i i really believe that it's of god 
and I and and God explained it to me, I believe, through the scriptures. That remember when Satan in Ezekiel twenty-eight verse fifteen it says that he was perfect in all his ways till iniquity was found in him. And iniquity was, of course, his self-will sin against God's will. So basically what he did was he, listen, he rejected God. He rejected God. And in this sense, what is hate? Hate is the rejection of God's love. And there isn't anything that the enemy loves for us to do is to live in the rejection of God's love. Because really, that's what self-hate is. That's what it is. Listen, I don't, I don't have to hate. In this sense, what he's already paid for about self. But the enemy wants us to live in the rejection of God's love for us. So that we, our experience will be self-hate. It will be self-destruction. Because why? Because what we said is love is the active energy of God's nature. There's action, there's energy in God's nature, which is love. And it's, it's literally like a reflexive action. Complete. It's just complete. And so what do we have? We have that energy of his nature, that nature of love. And that light that comes out of that love is the revelation and the illumination of God's nature of love so manifested in Christ in the highest way, in the very highest way. So that's what that is. And so what is love for us? What is God? God in 1 John 4, 8 and 16, God is love. And love, what is love? It's the active outgoing of his divine nature. It's the active outgoing of his divine nature. It's the seeking good without any motive in those that are loved. It's God's love, a love that not only gives all, but also forgives all. And it's only possible because of Jesus Christ. You can't separate me when I have a mediator, as far as God's concerned. 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. There is one mediator. Listen to this. There's one mediator between God and men. It's the man, Christ Jesus. It's not my thoughts that aren't his. The enemy wants to project lies and thoughts that aren't from God so that I think they are my thoughts and my thoughts separate me from his love or separate me at least from experience the truth that I truly am loved by God. God so loved the world that he what? He gave. You see the active energy? The outgoing active energy of God's love? God is very consistent in his ways. He's very, very consistent. And he wants us to live in the consistency of his constant love for us. 
So God knew in himself. And Isaiah 56, verse 1, makes this very, very clear, by the way. All along, God in himself, before he ever created us, before an angel ever was created, before Lucifer ever fell and became Satan, he knew in himself. <laughs> he knew in himself. And everything he knew in himself was the cause of who he is, love. But God knew in himself where unfailing righteousness would be found. Where do we find unfailing righteousness? It's in our one mediator. It's in Jesus Christ. It's this unfailing righteousness would be found even in the days when unrighteousness prevailed. God knew where unfailing righteousness could be found even in the days, all the days of humanity, where unrighteousness would even prevail. He knew it. He knew it before the flood. He knew it after the law. Why? Because he was always looking onward to who? To his Christ. That's what it says. It's his Christ. He was always, his view always was. Always. Was Jesus Christ the same yesterday? Think about what that says. Jesus Christ the same yesterday. He took care of all our yesterdays. Today. He'll take care of me right now, presently, today. And forever. He is my forever future. Love has conquered my yesterdays. Love has conquered my today, and love has conquered and dealt with me and given me an unbelievable future. But nowhere on the earth could that love, that righteousness, be seen except faith that waited for it. You know, it says in Genesis 5, verse 24, it says that Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. In type, we can say, really, that's a type of the rapture. In type, which they never would have dreamt of because they didn't have the full canon of scriptures. You and I do, so we can look at that. But even in him, there was on the earth, no righteousness to be found in him. Of course, in God's view, Enoch was found in the righteousness of his own son. There was none in Elijah. There was none in Elijah. They looked forward to it. This is what love has done. Love has made us all, we said in Romans 8, verse 37, more than conquerors. We're hubonakea. We're more, way above conquerors. Because so we are in him who is way above everything that he even accomplished. We are more than conquerors. Far more and so they looked forward in faith to the hope of that righteousness. They looked forward to the cross. Their faith looks 
looked forward to the cross. Our faith looks back to the cross and we all meet in him who has conquered all. And not only as we said, not only does God through Christ give all, but potentially forgives all. He constantly confirms his love for us. So the reliance of every single one of those who could be called saints, that's a word you don't hear very much anymore, do you? It was a word that was widely used in the early church and even in the early writings. They weren't even called believers. They were called saints. Ones that were made holy. <laughs> ones that were made holy through a love that would conquer. But it wasn't even found anywhere else but in Christ. So that what they were relying on, their faith was depending on, to them that were even saints, was entirely on the one that was coming. And God was even proclaiming him in Genesis, the third chapter, the promise of the seed of the woman that would crush the head of the serpent, would have his heel bruised, which would speak of his humanity. But even in Genesis 3.15, there's the cross. There we see in Genesis 3, verse 8, the voice of God walking in the garden. He takes the skins of an innocent victim. This is the action of love. Notice this. It is the action of love, the very voice of God, Christ himself in his pre-incarnate state, doing everything, accomplishing everything in type, but yet in the future to put on humanity and actually fulfill and reveal the eternal mind of God in eternity. Having given us his son, having put us in his son. There's nothing that could ever separate him from us or us from him. Not a single thing. That was the proclamation of Genesis 3.15, the promise. The promise was not given, as we've said before, to Adam and Eve in their fallen state. The promise was given to himself who would come and put on humanity and finish the work. Notice what he did, even when he did it then when he was making that proclamation to them, he wasn't even doing it to them directly. Not even doing it to them directly. But in, right then, dealing with the enemy, he was dealing with the enemy, right then, right then, by saying what he would do. The seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. You'll bruise his humanity. But in doing so, your head will be crushed. And so the judgment is fallen on Satan back then. That's the proof that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Even before we had a start, nothing could. God only, God only, in the sentence pronounced upon the enemy, was and is the revelation of a Savior that so, so loved us. There's so much more in this that we could get into, but suffice it to say this, that love went before us. 
There isn't anywhere that you and I have ever been that love that was for us didn't go before us, didn't go ahead of us. Love went ahead of us. Love goes with us. And love is waiting. Do you remember we, we said recently that in Luke 5, verse 7, verse 8 specifically, when Christ told Peter when they were out fishing all night in Luke, the fifth chapter, and he said, Put, throw the net on the right side. And he did. And it was so full. So full. His net, his capacity was so full in obedience to God's word, to the word of Christ. It was so full, his capacity. And then he came when he, he dragged the fishes in to the shore and he fell at Jesus' feet, still in his guilt, still living in the past, past failures. He, f he fell at Jesus' feet and he said, Depart from me, Lord, for I'm a wicked, I'm an evil man. Depart from me. Depart from me. And then we go back again. And remember when Peter forsook him in Matthew 26, 56, they all forsook him. In Matthew 26, 58, he was on the hill. It says a hill afar off following Jesus. And that, of course, that hill was that self-preservation. Satan wants us to just preserve enough of self Enough of failure that we can identify with ourselves with. Enough of what someone did to us to make our identity and follow him on a hill far off. Far off. But then, as they were leading Jesus away in Luke 22, 61, and after he denied him three times, Jesus looked at him. And it was a look of love. It was a look of love. And that look was revealed when again they were backslidden. They were in a totally backslidden state. After imagine walking with him three and a half years, handling him so close to him, laying on his, his breast. <clears throat> They're all backslidden. And then it says in John 21, verse 4, that Jesus stood on the shore. And why was he standing? He was standing because he was waiting in the action of his love to be gracious. Do you know when we fail and when we struggle and when we sin, we're looking the wrong way when we don't look for him and his love that stands on the shore and just waits for us. Isaiah 30, verse 18, he was waiting to be gracious. He's waiting. He's waiting to be gracious. And so he stands on the shore and he's standing because that's the picture of waiting. The picture of waiting. And he's standing there. And a meal is already prepared for them. And that's what he has for us waiting. Did you fail? I know you did. Did someone fail you? I know they did. But come to shore. 
come. And you know what it says? It says, come and dine. <laughs> they were in a backslidden state. How would we handle someone? How would we handle ourselves in that situation? How would we handle one that failed us? When he's standing on the shore, they have forsook him. And he's standing on the shore and he's waiting for them to come in. To change? <laughs> like they could do anything about it. No, he was standing on the shore and said, come in and dine. Come in and dine. Come and dine. Don't wait. Come and dine. Fellowship with me. Fellowship with my love for you that has conquered all. A love that's conquered all. A love that hasn't left anything undone. A love that loved us like the father loved the prodigal. And what was he in? Remember we said recently, what was he in? He was in rags. He was in rags. That's him trying to fix himself up so that the father would accept him, even as a servant. And the best that he could come up with is rags. And yet in his rags, his father's on his neck, kissing him. And we've said before, from that point on, you don't hear anything more. You don't even hear the son's voice. All you hear is the father and how much he loved him. How much he, how much he loves us. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. He loves us, never wants us to think outside of his love. So Lord, we just thank you for this, this brief time. And there's so much more to this, Father, that we so much want to receive. What, what do we need? What is our need? My God will supply all your need. Philippians 4.19, but what is my need at all times? What is my security? What is my security? It's his love. It's his love for us. It doesn't seek a motive in the object that, that's love because it's love itself. So Father, just bless us with these thoughts, God. And we just pray that the Holy Spirit would take this go far beyond because you want us to know this love that passes knowledge and only he is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we could ask or need everything that we could ask and everything that we could need has been met in a love that passes listen that passes knowledge it passes it by. So thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.